Luke chapter 10 is where we'll be tonight. Luke chapter number 10. And once you find that, if you would join me in standing for the reading of this passage, it's a little bit more lengthy than normal, um, but uh, we'll read it quickly and uh, have prayer, and then we'll let you be seated again. But Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 25 through verse 37, a familiar passage of Scripture, I'm sure that one that you have uh, heard many times uh, preached and taught and, uh, and maybe even taught your own yourself in Sunday school as you we're ministering to children. But uh, tonight I hope that God will use it to, uh, this simple story, this familiar story, to increase our burden uh, for others. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? He answered, answering said, well, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. He said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed him, leaving him half dead. By chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Let's pray one more time again. Father, it's been a good day to be in your house. Lord, thank you for what you've already done in our hearts. But Lord, now as we look at, at this very familiar story that, that most of us know the details of it, and most of us know the, um, the, the content of the story, Lord, I pray that you would help us to now Learn it again, afresh and anew, and then this week, help us to go and do thou likewise. Help us, Lord, to be on the lookout for those who we can show your love to. And I pray, Lord, you'd use us as a church family, individually and as a church as a whole, Lord, to reach out to this community with the, the truth of the gospel. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I want to draw your attention to verse number 27. Um, this lawyer is uh, a smart guy, no doubt. Uh, lawyers are smart, and we could make some jokes about lawyers, but we'll refrain. Uh, but verse 27, uh, when Jesus asks the question, okay, what's written in the law? And this lawyer wisely um, puts it down into the two great commandments that Jesus 
uh, referred to in his ministry to, first of all, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. And then the second one is, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. And I want us just to kind of take a moment and consider the order of these two. Um, The first commandment is to love the Lord. Our first focus needs to be on loving Christ and loving, loving the Lord God. We must keep this as our primary priority. And this is what I've tried to have as our emphasis this year is our spiritual growth. Our, our growth in this area where we're growing in our relationship with God. I, I do want us to see numerical growth, but, but far more important is to see spiritual growth take place in each of our hearts and lives. And that's only going to happen as if we love the Lord our God with all our soul, strength, mind, and heart. And, uh, and, and, and so this is a very, very important, but, but we cannot neglect the second commandment. We can't neglect um, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And really, ultimately, the natural result of loving God like we should ought to produce a love for our neighbor. Um, When you love someone so much, it's going to kind of ooze out into other relationships. I remember when I was engaged to be married to my wife, and, and I was so excited and so sappy and oozy of love. You know how those days were that everybody just kind of kept hearing about how I love Julie Cresto, and I can't wait to marry her. Now that we're married, those days are over. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But do you know what I'm saying? When you are so in love with somebody, everyone's going to kind of know it. And uh, hopefully the idea is that we're growing so much in love with God that everyone around us knows it. Because... We love him so much, it's starting to ooze out into our everyday conversation, our everyday life. And everybody around us is like, oh, here he goes again about how he loves the Lord. Whether it's in our verbiage or in our actions, people should know that we love the Lord. And it's going to impact others. Um, as I was uh, studying for this, I came across this story of of two liberal sociologists who were walking down the street. And they also, like these men in this story here, saw a man lying unconscious and covered with cuts and bruises from a, from a terrible mugging. One of the uh, sociologists turned to his colleague and said, whoever did this terrible deed really needs our help. And the perspective here is, You know, the sociologists think that whoever did this really needs our love and forgetting all about the one who needs the help the most, the guy in the ditch. And uh, an interesting, uh, interesting topic there. Well, tonight we're going to look at and see how love truly, truly works. And uh, very simple thoughts this this evening. Not going to be anything that uh, you couldn't come up with on your own through reading this story. Not, Not anything that maybe you haven't heard already. But particularly as we focus on Friend Day in less than seven days from right now, as a church family, I want us to consider these very important uh, truths about how love works. First of all, notice number one here, this, this Samaritan, he considered the man. He considered the man. Okay, let's kind of pick it back up here. In verse number 30, uh, Jesus answered and gives this story, and 
And, uh, and he says a certain man went down from Jerusalem. Uh, usually when Jesus said a certain man, he was thinking of a, an actual man, not just a made up, pretend, you know, let's just imagine a man. No, this is a certain man. Went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Well, by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So here are two um, professional religious people, like myself. (laughs) Uh, You could make the case that I'm a professional religious person, uh, that I would maybe fit in in the category of these of these guys, where my um, my livelihood is in is in my religious activity, so to speak. Now, I I view it afar. It's a calling. It's a, it's something. It's not a job. It's not a profession. It's something that I'm doing to honor the Lord and serving Christ. That's it's a different mentality. But but someone could look at what I do and say, okay, this would be like you. Um, and, uh, and as they saw him, they, they saw this guy. They took the time to see him. And uh, we religious professionals are trained to uh, look at people and consider them. And uh, well, verse 33, though, but a certain man as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him. So he considered the man. I want to ask the question for you. Do you take time to see people? I'm not just like, oh, well, that's a good-looking, attractive person, or that's a really smart-looking person, or, oof. I'm not talking about looking at their physical appearance. I'm talking about, are you looking at them through the eyes of Christ? Are you looking at beyond their, the facade and seeing who they really are? I believe that this Samaritan, as he was walking, uh, took a moment longer to look at not just the fact that this guy needed help, but he, he, he realized that this guy could use uh, someone who cared about him. So he considered the man. He took the time to uh, stop thinking about his life and his schedule. No doubt the religious professionals in this passage, the Levite and the priest, probably had you know, people to see, uh, things to do, appointments to keep a schedule to maintain, and, and uh, they didn't have time to deal with them. But the Samaritan was willing to. Uh, I want to just encourage us this week and throughout our Christian lives, but, but this week in particular as we're looking for people to invite to Friend Day to have our eyes open to the people that we come in contact with this week. John chapter number 4, Jesus said, I'm going to go ahead and turn over there, John chapter 4. This was our theme, by the way, for our missions conference way back in April. John chapter 4 and verse number 35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He said, I want you to get your eyes off of yourselves and Look at the needs of others around you. 
I, I realize that all of us have our own needs and our own lives to deal with, and I get that, but, but God has called us to be bright and shining lights and to be the salt of the earth and, and to lift up our eyes and consider the needs of those around us. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36 says, But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, so Jesus took time to consider the people around him. So this week, I want to encourage all of us to have open eyes to the needs of those around us. A songwriter wrote, Every day they pass me by, I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries, only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, He's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize that people need the Lord? So this Samaritan, he first of all, he took time to consider the man. And so this week, as you go your way to work, to school, to uh, out in the community, out to your various appointments, some of you have shared with me that your life seems like just a litany of doctor's appointments. My heart goes out to you. I know that that can get uh, taxing and uh, and spendy as well, I'm sure. But, um, But realize that every appointment that you have this week is not just for your teeth, not just for your body, not just for your car, not just uh, because it's something you have to do. Realize that it is a divine appointment at the right time for God to use you to be an impact to somebody else. They're not there just to help you with your oil change. They're not just there to help you with whatever you came in to see them about. You are there to help them too, spiritually speaking. Let God use you in that way, but you got to take time to consider the people that you come in contact with this week. So begin asking yourselves, Lord, or begin praying this, Lord, put in my path this week the people that you want me to invite, the people that you want me to impact, the people that you want me to be a blessing to. And you'll be surprised at how God can use you. So friend, will you open your eyes to to the needs around you? Will you take the time to consider. Also in this passage, we see that this man not only took the time to consider the man, he also had compassion on the man. Verse number 33, once again, a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. See, this was the difference between the religious professionals and the Samaritan. The priest and the Levite also saw the man, If you noticed in verse uh, 31 and 32, uh, the priest and the Levite both saw this man that had been uh, beaten and and wounded and and he was half dead. Uh, The religious professionals saw the man. There was, excuse me, there was no compassion. Their hearts had grown cold to the needs of those around them. Matthew 9.36 Again, when it talks about Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jude, verse 22, and if some have compassion making a difference, 
See, that's what made the difference in the life of this man that was this certain man that got beat up was the compassion of one Samaritan. That's what made the difference in his life. D.L. Moody told the story of his conversion this way. He said, when I was in Boston, I used to attend a Sunday school class. And one day I recollect my teacher came around behind the counter of the shop that I worked at. And he put his hand on my shoulder and talked to me about Christ my soul. And his name, does anybody know the name of the Sunday school teacher of D.L. Moody? His name was Edward Kimball. He said, I had not felt that I had a soul until then. I said to myself, this is a very strange, strange thing. Here is a man who never saw me till lately, and he is weeping over my sins, and I never shed a tear about them. But I understand it now and know what it is to have a passion for men's souls and weep over their sins. I don't remember what he said, but I can still feel the power of that man's hand on my shoulder tonight. See, Edward Kimball had compassion on D.L. Moody, and he was willing to do something about it. When you take the time this week to consider the man, to consider the people around you that you come in contact with, are you going to be moved with compassion? Or are you going to let your hearts grow cold towards their needs? See, the concern in and tears of a godly teacher resulted in the conversion of a man in D.L. Moody there who saw a million souls saved in his evangelistic campaigns. Pretty amazing. The difference that you can make with one invitation, with one act of compassion. Psalm 126 in verse number 5 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves uh, with him. It's indeed a scary sign in the life of a believer when the compassion is missing. It's a symptom of a serious heart problem. If, if we can't get compassionate when we look at people. So this Samaritan, he had taken the time to consider the man. He had taken the time to have compassion for the man. And then thirdly, he cared for the man. In verse number 34, it says, And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. He cared for the man. By the way, this required that he would rearrange his schedule. I'm sure that as a Samaritan was walking there, it wasn't like he had nothing going on in his life. I, I'm sure that he had something that he needed to do because he didn't stay forever. He said, I got to kind of continue on with my schedule here. But, um, and so he, he, he said, tomorrow I'll come back, but I got to do some business. So he had something to do, but he realized that there is something more important than his schedule, than his super important schedule. He was willing to put the needs of this man over his schedule. It also required that he be willing to sacrifice his resources. 
Look at verse 34. Went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. These are things that he had in his own possession. And, uh, you know, he was willing to give those. And it also, in verse 35, he took out two pence. Um, so he was willing to give his own money and sacrifice greatly to help this man. Okay, how much more money was this? Well, according to Google, the median income in Moore, Oklahoma is around $71,000 per year. And a pence in the Bible is equivalent to a day's wage. So if you take the $71,000 and divide it by 365, you come up with, and he gave two pence, so two days' wage was equal to about $390 that he gave to say, here, use this $390 to take care of my friend here that I just met on the side of the road. And he offered to give more if needed. In verse number 35, took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. So he was willing to give quite a bit, and he cared for the man. So again, this week, as we see people in our lives, in our activities of this week, take the time to consider them. In other words, open your eyes and see that, hey, this isn't just the guy who's selling me my Big Mac at McDonald's. This is a guy who has a soul and who's going through perhaps some difficult times and, and maybe could use a church family, maybe could use the gospel right now, maybe could use a word of encouragement. Our church uh, van uh, broke down kind of uh, a week or, week or so ago. And uh, we took it to the Chevy dealership off of 240 in Walker. And I was there, and I had a, had a man take me back to the church that day. My wife was out of town, and so I, I said, do you guys have a shuttle service? They said, yes, we do. So that, that man took me to the church, and, and in, our, in our journey, I, I mentioned that I was part of a church, and, and uh, he was going to be taking me to a, to a church. And boy, he just began to open up about his life. I mean, just like an open book. I mean, just let me know what was going on. And he needed some encouragement. He needed some comfort. I believe the man was saved, but, but he sure needed some love and some encouragement that day. And uh, when we got to the church, I said, hey, can I have a word of prayer with you before we go? I prayed with him, and, and uh, I, I feel like that was, that was why this whole thing happened. One of the reasons why this whole thing happened was so that I could have that opportunity to be a blessing to him. I don't always take those opportunities, but I'm encouraged in this story to take those when they come a lot more now. Caring for someone requires some action. It requires some work. Two weeks after the stolen steak deal, this, uh, this guy writing the story said, I took Helen eight years old, and Brandon, five years old, to the Clover Leaf Mall in Hattiesburg to do a little shopping. He says, we drove up, we spotted a Peterbilt 18-wheeler parked with a big sign on it that said, Petting Zoo. Well, the kids jumped up in a rush and said, Daddy, Daddy, can we go, please? Please, can we go to the Petting Zoo? Sure, I said, flipping them both a quarter before walking into Sears. They bolted away, and I felt free to take my time looking for a scroll saw. 
A petting zoo consists of a portable fence erected in the mall with about six inches of sawdust and a hundred little furry baby animals of all kinds. Kids pay their money and stay in the enclosure and trapped uh, enraptured with the squirmy little critters while their moms and dads shop. Well, a few, minute, few minutes later, he turned around and saw Helen walking along beside him. He said, I was shocked to see that she preferred the hardware department to the petting zoo. Recognizing my air, I bent down and asked her what was wrong. She looked up at me with those giant, limpid brown eyes and said, sadly, well, Daddy, it cost 50 cents. So I gave Brandon my quarter. Then she said the most beautiful thing I ever heard. She repeated our family motto. Our family motto is, love is action. She had given Brandon her quarter, and no one loves cuddly, furry creatures more than Helen. She had watched, uh, she had watched Sandy take my stake and say, love is action, that's his wife. Uh, that's the author's wife here and say, love is action. She had watched both of us do and say, love is action for years around the house in King's Arrow Ranch. She had heard and seen love is action, and now she had incorporated it into her little lifestyle. It had become part of her. What do you think I did? Well, not what you might think. As soon as I finished my errands, I took Helen to the petting zoo. We stood by the fence and watched Brandon go crazy petting and feeding the animals. Helen stood with her hands and chin resting on the fence and just watched Brandon. He said, I had 50 cents burning a hole in my pocket, but I never offered it to Helen, and she never asked for it. Because she knew the whole family motto, it's not love is action, it's love is sacrificial action. Love always pays a price. Love always costs something. Love is expensive. When you love, benefits accrue to another's account. Love is for you, not for me. Love gives, it doesn't grab. Helen gave her quarter to Brandon and wanted to follow through with her lesson. She knew she had to taste the sacrifice. She wanted to experience that total family motto. Love is sacrificial action, and Dave Simmons is the author of that story. Look, tonight, if we're going to care for others, we must realize that love is action and sacrificial action, isn't it? like the Samaritan teaches us here in this story. We must realize that love is sacrificial action and that love works and that love is willing to sacrifice. I was thinking of this verse, Psalm 142 and verse number four. It's a prayer when David was in the cave. Psalm 142 and verse four says, and this is David commenting, he said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. How sad to look around and realize that no one cares for my soul. As I thought about that, I thought, may the Lord help us all here at Cornerstone Baptist Church to live in such a way that no one in our lives would be able to say that no one cared for my soul. May, may my family not be able to say that. May my neighbors not be able to say that. May the people that I come in contact with not be able to say that because I've been faithful to care for their souls. My desire is that our church would be such a presence in this community that no one in our city would be able to say no one cared for my soul.
I realize that we're not many in number and there's a lot more people out here that need to be reached than we can reach on our own. But I'm praying that God would increase our influence and allow us to, be, to reach as many people as we possibly can. Christopher Searcy was uh, playing baseball, I'm sorry, basketball with his friends on May 16th, 1998, when he was shot in the chest and a bullet perforated his aorta. His friends helped him to get within 40 feet of the entrance to Ravenswood Hospital, and then they went inside and asked for help. But shockingly, the hospital staff refused to help Christopher, saying that it was against the hospital's policies to administer aid to those outside of the hospital. Eventually, a policeman was able to get a wheelchair and wheeled Christopher into the hospital where he was helped by the hospital staff. Unfortunately, it was too late. Christopher died about an hour later. Many times it seems that churches are surrounded by people that desperately need to hear the gospel, yet Christians are content to share it with only those that manage to come inside their church. And I want to make sure that the people who come into our church do hear the gospel, but God wants us also to be willing to go outside of these walls to get the gospel. Uh, Do you remember the Great Commission? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Not have them all come in and then preach the gospel. Now, we want them to come in and we will preach the gospel when they do, but see, that's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission isn't going to take place necessarily only within these walls. It also needs to take place outside of these walls. Well, verse 36 of this passage, Luke chapter 10, as Jesus covers this story, he kind of turns back to the lawyer and says, all right, verse 36, Mr. Lawyer, which now of these three? Thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Well, the lawyer was kind of put in his place, wasn't he? He said, well, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Go and do thou likewise. Look, Jesus is asking us to this week, go and do thou likewise. Let's be willing to consider the people around us. Let's be willing to have compassion and, uh, and have a concern for people around us. I realize we have our own needs and we get kind of wrapped up in our own little lives. It's easy to do, but, um, but this, this week as we're considering Friend Day, let's be compassionate towards others and let's care for them. Let's give them what they need and what they need the most is the gospel of Christ. So God is, or Jesus is saying, go and do thou likewise. Now it's interesting as we kind of wrap up this, uh, this message tonight, Jesus is not asking us to do something that he was not first willing to do himself, though, was he? You see, he is the ultimate example of showing how love works. The story of the Good Samaritan was in many ways an illustration of what Christ did for us, wasn't it? We were the one who was beaten, stripped of our raiment, and left for dead. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And Jesus considered us and saw our need, didn't he? He came to us in the form of a little baby born in Bethlehem's manger. 
Then he had compassion on us as he considered us and came to us. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But then, thank God, he didn't just have compassion for us. He cared for us. So much so that he was willing to sacrifice his entire life on the cross for us. One of our previous memory verses as a church was uh, Mark 10.45, For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Not only that, but like the Samaritan in uh, verse number 35 said, When I come again, I will repay thee. See, Jesus also promised that he would come again, didn't he? John 14 and verse number 2, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and look, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So you see, Jesus was the ultimate example of how love works. And he's now telling us to go and do that likewise. Now tonight I want to be very clear. We're talking about caring for the physical needs of others. We're talking about caring for the emotional needs of others. But most important of all, we're talking about caring about the spiritual needs of others. Giving people what they need the most, which is the life-changing message of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ impacts people from the inside out and for the rest of this life and for all of eternity. Do you remember the Great Commission is not to go into all the world and give people medication? The Great Commission is not to go into all the world and help provide running water for people. The Great Commission is not to go into all the world and teach people how to farm. These are good things, yes, but that's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission, according to Matthew 28 and verse 19, says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. According to Mark 16, verse 15, the Great Commission is to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. According to Luke 24, and verse 47, the Great Commission is that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name of Christ among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus said in Acts chapter 8, or 1, verse number 8, the Great Commission is that we will be witnesses unto him both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. As we consider that, I just want to mention I appreciate our church family. Your big heart for worldwide evangelism is such an encouragement to me and has been from day one from the first time I heard about Cornerstone Baptist Church. I was immediately impressed with the generosity that this church has towards reaching this world with the gospel of Christ. Financially investing in worldwide evangelism is a big part of this church, and I believe that that's one reason why God has blessed us all these decades. But look, giving financially is only part of reaching the world. I don't want to say that I'm not thankful for it and that we shouldn't do it. Absolutely we should. We need to. I appreciate so much your financial generosity in giving towards reaching the world. 
But missions cannot be delegated to a few dedicated believers. We can't hire people to reach this world for us. You can't just say, well, look, I have somebody that does my yard. I have somebody that, you know, takes care of my oil changes. I have somebody that goes and preaches the gospel for me in Zimbabwe. They're not, we we can't subcontract our reaching out with the gospel. And we can't subcontract reaching our own Jerusalem. We cannot outsource this. Look, it's my responsibility, and not just because I'm a pastor, and I should be out witnessing because I'm paid to do that, right? No, I should be a witness of Christ because I'm a believer, and I want to be obedient to God. Remember what James said? Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I'm not trying to shame anyone tonight or put anyone on a guilt trip, but I do want to remind us of the importance of being ambassadors for Christ, being missionaries. Look, we, have, we do have people who are reaching, you know, a lot of different areas of our, country, of our world for Christ. We have missionaries in Brazil. We have missionaries in Germany. We have missionaries all over the world. But who are the missionaries to more? Who are the missionaries to... Tuttle or Blanchard or Midwest City or, or Dell City. Who are the missionaries to those cities? Well, you'll find the answer when you go look in a mirror. Because all of us are missionaries to go do that. We can't outsource. We can't get somebody who's like, okay, we're going to pay you to go reach this community. Well, we just kind of live our lives. No, no, as believers, we have the responsibility to be like the Samaritan now, to go and consider the people that we come in contact with in our community, to have compassion on them and then to go and care for them by giving them what they need the most. Let's be missionaries to Moore, Oklahoma, to Oklahoma City, to Norman, to Tuttle, to Blanchard, to Dell City, to Midwest City, to your workplace, to your school, to your neighborhood. God expects us to reach this area. And if we don't do it, then who's going to? Well, we'll let the Mormons do it. Oh, really? That's scary. We have the truth, don't we? Let's do something with it and not hoard it to ourselves and say, it's all mine, I'm not going to show you. No, the truth is meant to be enjoyed, yes, but then shared. This week, we, have, we as a church have an amazing and an important opportunity to give out the gospel in our own Jerusalem. Let's be faithful to do that. Next week is Friend Day, isn't it? I came across this poem many, many years ago in my youth ministry, and I'd like to share it with you, and it's simply called My Friend. My friend... I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth I walked with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell me the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me straight to him. Though we lived together on earth, you never told me of the second birth. 
Now I stand this day condemned. Because you failed to mention him. Oh, you taught me many things, that's true. I called you friend and, and I trusted you. But I learn now that it's too late. You could have saved me from this fate. We walked by day and talked by night, and yet you know yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die. And you knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and laugh with you through joy and strife. And yet on coming to the end, I cannot now call you my friend. Are there people like that in our lives that should they die, would they write a poem like this? Who we know, who know us, but we've never taken the time to share them the truth. Is there someone in your life, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend that you go to school with that if they were to die, they would write a poem similar to this? We're about ready to have friend day. Let's be true friends. Let's be a good Samaritan by giving them what they need the most. And yes, I'm all for helping with a physical need. I'm all for helping with an emotional need. But friend, we cannot neglect the most important need that we all have, and that's our spiritual need. Let's give them what they need the most, which is the gospel of Christ, which can, again, change them from the inside out and will fix a lot of the physical and emotional needs as well. If they would just simply come to Christ. What a story. Again, one that we've all heard, one that we could... You could probably teach better than me. But tonight, let's go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this story that is very familiar to all of us. But Lord, I pray that we would now not just know the story, but go and do the story. And the people that we come in contact with this week, our coworkers, our neighbors, Lord, our family members, our friends that we know. Lord, help us to consider them and look at them and understand that there is people there that have a need and help that need to cause us to have compassion on them. Lord, I know that many times we're too busy to have compassion. Help us this week to not be too busy to have compassion. Help us, Lord, to be willing to sacrifice, to be willing to... Uh, do love is action. Love is sacrificial action. Help us, Lord, to be willing to do that this week as we go to our different appointments, as we uh, go to different restaurants and the server that we come that, that, that helps us. Lord, help us to realize that each one is placed in our path, not just by accident, but on by divine appointment. Help us, Lord, to be like the great, um, the good Samaritan this week as we invite people to Friend Day. I pray, Lord, that a great harvest of souls would take place because of uh, our obedience to your plan for us this week. In Jesus' name.